Hello, and welcome to this week's Political Thinker podcast. My name's Christopher Bremner MacDonald. Now, something you may have noticed is that I'm now only bringing you this podcast every two weeks rather than weekly. That's purely the fact I just don't have the time at the moment. It was decided that it was better to have a substantial podcast every two weeks rather than have a short one every week. So I really hope you do enjoy the new format this year. I know we've been going for quite some time this year, but still, it's very different from what we were doing last year. In this week's podcast, I talk to Chris Picton, the member for Ghana in the southern suburbs of Adelaide. Now, Chris Picton has a Bachelor of Laws and a Bachelor of Arts from Flinders University and is a member of the Labour Party. I have to add, it's actually quite exciting. This is actually Chris's first ever podcast. So uh, please welcome him, Chris Picton. Chris Picton, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Now, first question, can you tell me a little about yourself and what you did before you entered politics? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's great to be with you and talking to your podcast listeners. This is my first ever uh, podcast as a uh, interviewee. Listen awesome. to lots of them. Hopefully, I can keep <laughs> up to uh, you know the uh, the uh, excellence. I'm sure that your other guests have had. Um, so, uh, I'm obviously a, a member of the state parliament here mm-hmm, in South mm-hmm. Australia, um, and I'm also the shadow minister for health and wellbeing mm-hmm. um, here in South Australia. Um, I represent an electorate uh, in the south of Adelaide uh, called yes. Ghana. It's named after the Aboriginal uh, original uh, inhabitants of Adelaide, um, and includes a number of sort of sacred sites for Aboriginal people, which is why they've called this area Ghana. But mm-hmm. Essentially, it looks after um, from uh, Port Nolunga South down to Maslin Beach, and then across to the east. Um, over to uh, Hackham and Huntfield Heights area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a diverse area. It's a beautiful area. Um, we live uh, in Port Nolunga, down south, with uh, my family, my mm-hmm. wife, and my uh, 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 two-year-old daughter. Um, so we enjoy living in the area. Um, in terms of what I did before I was in politics, uh, in, as an MP, um, have worked in government before. So mm-hmm. worked uh, for federal and state ministers. Um, particularly in the health area, yes, um, and also worked as a, a consultant for Deloitte Access Economics mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, opportunity came up five years ago now to put my hand forward to run for politics myself, mm-hmm. and it's always a, um, a sort of nerve-wracking thing to put yourself forward for that sort of office. Of course, but, um, I really enjoyed doing the role, enjoy uh, helping people, representing the community. Um, and standing up for this area um, and this great community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you're a qualified lawyer. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're a, a barrister, essentially, and you studied law at Flinders, is that correct? That's right. So I did uh, law and politics at Flinders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I graduated uh, from Flinders and admitted to the bar. Um, I uh, then uh, didn't really progress as a lawyer and more sort of got involved in government and public policy, which mm-hmm, is probably mm-hmm. obviously where my... Uh, passion lies. So, did, did you ever actually work as a lawyer at any stage? No, so I did my um, uh, placements and uh, admission process, uh, mm-hmm. but then uh, by that time I'd already 
um, I guess, sort of started working uh, for John Hill, who was then the Environment Minister and then the Health Minister, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and had really enjoyed that and uh, had considered whether to, you know, jump from that to go work as a lawyer for some time. But um, I think I would have missed the job that I was doing too much. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, find, you know, politics a bit... Uh, you know, boring or um, trivial. I I just love it for the fact that the ability for governments and uh, politics to make some changes that really, uh, hopefully, improve people's lives mm-hmm. is is like nothing else that you can uh, find in society. So, um, you know, every day that um, you know I as an MP are here, or you know, working for a minister or in a government department, you know, you get to influence decisions that hopefully mm-hmm. improve people's lives. So that's what really attracted me to doing that. Oh, that's a, that's a, a very noble outlook. Now, uh, do you feel that having a law degree improves your ability to perform as a politician? Well, I think it's, I think it's certainly helped. I mean, I think one of the things that's good about um, Parliament is that you get a broad cross-section of different people. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there are a number of people who have, you know, legal backgrounds, um, such as myself, and we've just had a, another member elected in a by-election who's been a commercial lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to have a few people um, like that. Certainly, in the lower house now, I represent the Attorney General, the Shadow Attorney General, Kaya Ma, who sits in the upper house. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, legislation that I'm dealing with uh, when Parliament's sitting. Um, that it's certainly good to have that background uh, as a lawyer. Yes. Um, I also worked as the Chief of Staff to the Federal Attorney-General for mm-hmm, a bit over mm-hmm. a year, and that was obviously a very legal-intensive job of as course, well. Of course, of course. Um, so it's good to have that background, but it's also great to have um, people with a range of other backgrounds. So, you know, neighbouring seat, we have uh, Nat Cook, who was a nurse for many, mm-hmm, many years, mm-hmm. a retrieval nurse at Flinders Medical Centre, intensive care, emergency departments, um, so to have her background and her experience from that perspective is really valuable as well. Just as we have, you know, people who are farmers or people who uh, drove taxis and people who were school teachers, and uh, getting a cross section of people is really good. Mm-hmm. So we joke uh, when I give school tours to um, kids who come into the parliament that it's it's the one job that you, there's no actual uh, experience necessary. It's not like there's one degree you have to do. There's not one uh, line of um, of experience you need to have. Yes. Um, you just have to get you know people to see you as uh, the person that will represent them. And, of course. Uh, but it is, I think it is helpful to have um, some experience in government, some experience in um, you know law, because you, I guess, can pick up the running pretty quickly. As a member of parliament, uh, you've already said that you feel like you make a positive difference. But is there any particular achievement that that you have you have made, which you, which you feel sort of is greater than anything else that you've done? Anything which really stands out? Well, I think, um, you know, a number of the things that we've got uh, delivered down here in my electorate, I'm really proud of. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the last term, we had some significant wins for this area. Um, This is an area where um, it's a growing area. There's new houses being built all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of, um, you know, families buying their first house and it is in the outer suburbs. So you do need um, you know, extra services and there's continual need for that. Um, so I'm really proud that, you know, we got a new ambulance station at Seaford, mm-hmm. that we got um, a new upgrade, a big upgrade to the Seaford Soccer Club. I'm mm-hmm. uh, really excited that we got, um, you know, express services restored on the Seaford rail line, that we opened the 
two-way Southern Expressway. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a few other things in the budget that are starting to be delivered now, including um, a major upgrade to Main South Road between Seaford and Aldinga, which mm-hmm. is going to um, really help with the um, the increasing congestion on that road, but also the road safety element of that. Uh, but also a new R to 12 school that's going to go in in the Aldinga area, which is going to help schooling across the area here. Is that a public school or private school? It'll be a public school. Oh, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah. So 1,400 kids will be able to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a massive need for more schooling because obviously we've got um, lots of new families moving into the into the south. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But also a number of upgrades that we got. So I think over $30 million of upgrades to... Um, lots of our high schools in the area, so Seaford, Christie's, Wirriander and so forth. So um, giving kids in those schools the ability to um, have world-class facilities. Mm-hmm. Just yesterday or the day before, we, uh, I went and had a look at the new science labs that we've just delivered there at Seaford. And they are truly sort of world-class. They're as good yep. as you'd find in any you know, elite private school now. Fantastic. So giving kids in this area those opportunities to have those great facilities is something I'm absolutely proud of and I think it will be a great benefit to the community. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, I've noticed on, on Facebook, um, <laughs> I, I follow you on Facebook, and I right. noticed that uh, you've been quite vocal on the subject of public transport services in the south of Adelaide recently. So what do you feel needs to change in the current government's approach to public transport? Yeah, well, th- this is always a big issue for an electorate like mine where you're in the outer suburbs. People, um, if you don't have the ability to catch public transport, you can be very isolated. Um, a lot of people out here, of course, drive their cars uh, mm-hmm. when they need to get places, uh, but there's obviously people who can't do that. So, yes. if you know, people who are elderly, people who are disabled, um, kids... Um, And so those people rely on having public transport. And um, there's been this sort of discussion from the government of, oh, well, you know, if buses aren't full, then we shouldn't be running them. Um, But, well, this is actually a public service. We need to make sure that they're reliable, that they're available, um, and that they connect um, all the suburbs in our area. So unfortunately, what we've seen, one of the things that's happened in the state budget a few months ago was uh, there was significant cuts to public transport. And we've seen the first rollout of what those cuts mean, uh, uh, particularly here in the south, has been hard hit mm-hmm. out of that, and my electorate in particular. So we've had a number of um, bus buses removed in terms of uh, between the Seaford uh, area going up to Nolunga. Um, mm-hmm. About half the buses now are running through that area. In fact, we've had, there's about five bus stops where um, a bus doesn't come now for 12 and a half hours between the middle of the day. So one will come at eight in the morning and one will come at eight at night. Uh, that's not really running a proper public no, transport system when you're doing that. Um, so that's something we've been uh, absolutely campaigning and fighting on, um, and we'll we'll have to keep doing that because it's uh, unfortunately uh, looks as though that those services might be getting worse rather than better. But uh, it's it's very important for my community. It's something where um, transport is always one of the things that people raise with me, and because mm. it is true when you live in the outer suburbs, it is really important. If you live uh, a kilometre away from the city, transport's not such a big issue. But no. when you live 30 kilometres away, it is a big issue. You know, for it affects sure, so many for people's sure. lives. I used to live in Murray Bridge many years ago mm. and uh, I would have to go to the city every day. I worked in the city mm. and it would take me 45 minutes or an hour to drive there. Yeah. And one day I thought, I'll look at a bus. And the bus service was hundreds of dollars a month 
you had to buy I had to buy a ticket on a private bus service to get to Mount Barker mm. and then Mount Barker on the regular bus service and I understand what it's like to be isolated and I mean I'm, I'm lucky I have a car I can I can drive but there are so many people out there who who don't have a vehicle uh, for any any given reason but who are isolated mm. and also it's it for me, one of the most important things is, is that Adelaide's quite a, a festive city. And yeah, that's right. people like to go in uh, on a Friday night, have a drink, something like that. It's wonderful being able to catch the train or catch the bus and not have to worry about being drunk on the road or not being drunk necessarily, but having too much to drink and then putting people like yourself or others in danger. And public transport's a wonderful thing. And I, I personally just can't really understand why it's being taken away. But that's, that's right. Well, and, you know, of course, it's good for the environment as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the more people who are on public transport, the, the better that is. Um, it's good for, um, you know, the economy overall because the more people who drive, the more roads we have to build. And they're, um, you know, a lot more expensive to build you know, mm-hmm. massive mm-hmm. new highways than it is to run public transport services. Of course. Um, so it's... It's good for society in a whole range of different ways. I, um, you know, obviously have to go into Parliament quite a lot um, in the city, and mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to catch the train uh, in peak hour than it is to drive in. So, it's, of course, you, know, you, you don't deal with that stress of being stuck in traffic, um, which can sort of ruin the start of your day. So, try to catch the train whenever I can. Oh, that's really good. Normally, I, w- I would catch the, the train into the city um, on Tuesday when I went into Adelaide University uh, to record. Uh, a uh, seminar um, I drove because I had all my equipment with me and it took me nearly an hour and a half to get to Adelaide University from Seaford Rise which is absolutely ridiculous Uh, the traffic I mean going into the city at peak hour when everything's coming out it still took me an hour and a half uh, 40 minutes on North Terrace which was just ridiculous and um, it just seems that uh, something's going wrong where there are that many cars in the city and people aren't using that public transport. That's right. Well, ultimately, particularly when you're talking about you know inner city, you just there's a limit to how many cars you know can get through an area like that. So the more people that we can encourage to use public transport, the better it's going to be for everybody. Do you feel a congestion charge might help that? Um, I mean, obviously that gets thrown around a bit. I mean, whether that would work in a city like Adelaide as opposed to a city like London, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, when we were in government, we were looking at um, introducing what is in place in a number of other states, which is a um, levy in terms of the number of car parks that mm-hmm. are in place in the city and putting that money back into public transport. Um, promoted that idea. Unfortunately, uh, it was opposed by um, the upper house, so that didn't get through. Yep. Um, but I think I think it, the, the key thing is if, if public transport is available, reliable, um, is clean and efficient, um, then the more people we can get to catch that instead of driving, and that will make the biggest difference to congestion. Of course. Now, thinking about some of the more recent policies introduced by the Stephen Marshall Liberal government, uh, do you feel that some of them have gone too far from the status quo? So, for instance, as an example, uh, taking away funding for security guards at taxi ranks, mm. things like that. Do you feel that maybe they've overstepped the line a little bit? Yeah, well, I think I think what's happened in their budget is we've seen a lot of measures that they've put in that have been pretty ill-conceived and have been really um, cruel in the way that they've been implemented. So mm-hmm. you, you raise a very good one in terms of taxi ranks, which is a relatively small amount of money that they're saving. But... Um, Having those monitored taxi ranks for places like Hindley Street in the city 
um, is really important for public safety and really important for making sure that we're reducing that violence that you know you sometimes see in those areas and making yes. sure kids are safe when they go out. Um, you know, there's a number of other sort of pretty short-sighted things. We've talked about the bus cuts. You know, they're closing three service SA centres that people mm-hmm. rely on. Um, in you know my area that I look after in health, we've seen um, the closure of two Shine SA clinics, and these are um, clinics that help people um, with sexual health and community health care in the north and the south of Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been closed due to a half a million dollar cut which in the scheme of the state budget is not that much, but no. it's going to make a big difference in the northern and southern suburbs. Um, plus we've seen you know, the re-look the re, uh, at privatisation of, of public services. So the government's opened uh, you know, discussion and consideration of whether to privatise SA pathology and SA medical imaging. These are vital services for anybody who needs to go to hospital or anybody who needs care in the community. Um, and I think public want to make sure that these are publicly run, not not for profit, um, but are run to benefit patients. So um, I think that, that that is short-sighted and something that we'll be uh, absolutely fighting. Um, yet at the same time, you know, we've seen a taxpayer loan going to Adelaide Oval to build a luxury hotel there. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether the priorities are right, I think, I think is questionable. Um, and that's something where... Um, you know, obviously, you know, really strikes home that elections do have consequences. Yes. So, you know, there is a, you know, uh, sometimes people say, oh, well, there's no difference between the parties. Um, well, I think pretty clearly you can see um, there is different priority. Uh, this government's come in and uh, wanted to make a big priority of cutting uh, land taxes and um, mm-hmm. business taxes um, at the expense of some of those core services that people rely on, like buses and services, say, and pathology services. Yeah, I, I understand exactly what you mean. Do you feel that the Labor Party was ready for opposition? Well, obviously, I, I don't think anybody would doubt that 16 years is a really long time uh, to be in government. Um, it's uh, certainly the longest stretch of government that has been in South Australia since uh, the Playford government was in power for over three decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we did do was we kept renewing our team, we kept refreshing uh, our team and our approach, um, and I guess that's you know what led to the ability to continue to to have success. Mm-hmm. And I think the mm-hmm. other thing is that we had a clear agenda, which um, was about uh, you know renewing and transforming our state, but also you know building some really important infrastructure across our state. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there will be a, a strong legacy of those sixteen years. I think it's. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to be in government for a long time and look back and think, oh, what did we really do? I think over those 16 years and those two premiers, um, mm-hmm. we achieved quite a lot. And I think the other thing is that there was, you know, absolutely very stable government over those times, particularly when you look at, you know, what's happened in other states or other yes. countries. You know, we didn't, or even the national government with changing prime ministers every five minutes. Um, it was a united team. It wasn't uh, a bunch of leaking and backstabbing and things like that, no. like we see in Canberra. Um, it was a team that was uh, renewing itself, but also focused on how to improve the state and deal with, you know, some pretty significant challenges that we faced over that time, like losing Holden, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, um, the threat of the submarine contract going overseas and having to fight for that, 
um, you know, dealing with uh, the upper states and the upper upstream states in terms of the Murray and mm -hmm. and threats of uh, not being able to get uh, water for the lower lakes and our environment down here. Uh, mm -hmm. All those things took us to uh, involved us standing up for the state and fighting for South Australia. Of course, of course. Now in government. You had roles as Minister of Police, Minister for Correctional Services, Minister for Energy Services and Minister for Road Safety. Do you feel now that you're in opposition, having, such a, having had such a large portfolio responsibility, do you feel that you miss that responsibility? Oh, I absolutely miss being a minister. Um, just one <laughs> small correction. It was uh, emergency services, not energy. Um, I was oh, I've got, I've got emergency services written <laughs> down here. Sorry, I said it incorrectly. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I did have the opportunity in the last uh, six months before the election uh, to be elevated as a minister and, as you said, in charge of uh, police, emergency, mm -hmm. corrections and road safety, which are really uh, terrific portfolios um, in that, you know, you're dealing with um, some really hard-working people in yes. you know those areas who who serve the state so well, um, and so um, you know it was my job to make sure that um, they were supported, to make sure that we were doing the best as we could as a government to help them to look after the state. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you're right; it's uh, it's certainly frustrating now being in opposition as the opposition uh, shadow health uh, minister uh, to not be able to see a problem and go, well, this is how we can fix it, and how can we. Um, make things better immediately. Um, we're, as a minister, you can do that. As a minister, you have um, uh, a range of uh, powers and resources at your disposal to make a difference in people's lives. So mm -hmm. <coughs> that's ultimately the system. It's the way the system works: is to have a adversarial system where you know um, you've got governments and oppositions. Um, but certainly, as a minister, I really enjoyed that time. I think we're doing some great things. I think. Hopefully, some of the agendas we're working on, particularly when you look at corrections, and mm -hmm. um, there was a great agenda started um, under my predecessor, who's now our leader, Peter Malinowskis, when he was the corrections minister, about um, reducing reoffending rates. Mm -hmm. We called it the uh, 10 by 20 program to reduce our reoffending rates in South Australia by 10% by 2020. I absolutely hope um, that we're going to see progress from the government on this. Um, bit sceptical as to what their progress has been over the past year, but I hope they um, seize on it because it is important to make sure that ultimately if we've got people um, who are leaving prison, who mm -hmm. don't have any skills, who haven't had employment, who haven't had uh, housing, and haven't got the right connections uh, in terms of uh, social supports, that they're more likely to go back into crime and yes. more likely to cause... Uh, more harm to the community. So the more that we can do to reduce that rate, the ultimately uh, safer our community will be. So that's one example of a really big, important agenda that I hope gets continued now. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very good. Now, my last question is, uh, you're quite a young politician. I mean, you're younger than me, <laughs> um, uh, which is young for a politician. And uh, what advice do you have for young people who are aspiring uh, for a life in the public office? Yeah, well, I... It's one of those funny things where um, it's good to be, in, you know, in politics and uh, progressing to higher office because it makes you feel younger. Because uh, 36, I'm starting to feel a bit old. But uh, when I get people like yourself saying I'm young, then that's that's always helpful. Um, I, I think it's, in fact, now in the parliament, I'm uh, there's a lot younger people now. I think we've got uh, somebody who's about 27 or so now. So um, I'm I'm moving up in the age pecking order. Um, 
I think you know my advice to to young people is to is to get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, you know our society and our democracy is for everybody to be involved in and for everybody to have their say, um, and everybody has the ability to influence it and change it. Um, so no matter what your perspective, no matter what you know party you'd align with or issue that you're passionate about. Um, you've got the ability to get out there and make changes and, and be involved in the process. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I'd encourage people, um, if they are inclined in my direction, to you know, get involved in the party and uh, be involved in election campaigns. I always think um, election campaigns are a really uh, interesting and invigorating uh, aspect of our democracy um, to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you pretty quickly make connections. You pretty quickly um, find out, you know, and get tested what you stand for. And um, you know, obviously, uh, I've you know benefited from that process in terms of you know internal debates, internal discussions um, that has benefited me in uh, future life and future discussions. Now, mm-hmm. um, I guess I, the other thing I'd you know encourage people to to think is that you know this. Sometimes you sort of get this, uh, you know, sort of student politics type behaviour. I yes. mean, you know, it's very serious business. I hope that, you know, people coming through the system all regard it as such. And, um, you know, you've got to be uh, passionate about issues that you care about. You've got to be, um, you know, willing to make compromises where you need to. You've got to be willing to... And I think the other thing is, you know, you've got to understand that not everything's black and white. There's usually quite mm. a bit of area mm. of grey when you're talking about politics. So I guess I'd encourage people to um, to see the complexity of issues as they're considering them. Um, but ultimately, it's about being involved, being active in your community, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. being passionate on issues. Um, and the more that you do that, the uh, the better chances that you're going to have of, of making a big difference in our community. How old were you when you joined the Labor Party? I was 15 when I joined the Labor wow. Party. So, so you made your decision pretty early on. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, recently had uh, 20th year of membership of the South Australian Labor Party. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I joined, obviously, when I was in high school. And, um, you know, it was a pretty it was a pretty significant time, both in terms of uh, had the Howard government um, in their first term in office who were mm-hmm. um, making big changes to the way that uh, universities mm-hmm. um, places were given to people and bringing in full fee places where you could sort of skirt around the merit process and pay your way into university. Yep. That's something as a young person that really angered me and, and drove me to get involved. And I guess the other thing that we had at that time was, um, you know, the advent of Pauline Hanson and yes. um, her, uh, you know, entry onto the scene and the controversy that that caused. And I guess her drive... Um, to try to divide people mm-hmm. and and to gain power that way. That really fired me up and um, tell, attended a few sort of rallies and things like that back in that time um, as well. And um, uh, was when we lost the 98 election um, that I thought, well, I need to not just sort of talk about this, not just sort of uh, be involved from the sidelines, but actually sort of put my name forward and try to get involved and help out and... Uh, now the rest is history. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Now, I'm going to squeeze one last question in, just one little one. No worries. Which is, what do you say to people, young people especially, who are not enrolled to vote yet, 
who are considering doing it, because obviously there's this loophole in the law which basically says if you don't enrol, no one's going to come after you, or they might do. What do you say to those people who who are considering enrolling to vote uh, but not? Well, I absolutely would encourage everybody to enrol to vote, um, particularly young people, because mm-hmm. this is your life. This is um, about your your life, your job, your education, um, your community, the safety of your community, um, the environment that you're going to be living in for the rest of your life and your kids and your grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that is on the line every election. And if you say, I don't want to be part of this and just sit on the sidelines, then you're allowing other people, sometimes with vested interests, to decide that for you. Um, so being involved in the process is absolutely important. And you know, just think about particularly an issue like climate change. I think young people are particularly passionate about climate change because mm-hmm. they know uh, what an impact it's having. They know what an impact it's gonna have for the rest of their lives and for their kids' lives um, and their grandkids' lives. And if young people don't stand up, get involved, be active on that issue, um, then sadly uh, we see the sort of people who throw around lumps of coal in our parliament yes. uh, deciding what our nation's climate change policy should be. And uh, as we've seen, that leads to us having no climate change policy and ultimately um, you know, backward step on what is one of the most important issues for our country. So, so hopefully um, the podcast listeners, out, I'm sure everybody who listens to your podcast is enrolled to vote. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but if there is anybody out there who's not, I'd absolutely encourage you to enrol to vote. It only takes a minute and uh, is really important for the rest of your life. Now, uh, can somebody come into your office to get advice on how to enrol? Uh, absolutely, if you want to do that. Um, it's pretty easy on the internet now um, through the AEC website. Mm-hmm, but if you mm-hmm. want to come into my office and we can absolutely point you in the right direction and, and make sure we can sort that out for you. And the other thing as well is with, with young people, I get people who ask me all the time, uh, uh, how do I know who to vote for? What, what party should I look at? Do, do you ever think it's worthwhile? I mean, should a young person come into your office and ask to have a meeting with you and sit down and find out what you're about, all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. You know, I um, meet with, you know, a surprising number of young people who are interested in politics, who are passionate on issues, um, and yeah, if you if you do want to, uh, if you are wondering about you know politics or wondering about where I stand on things or wondering about how you can make a difference, give me a call. Uh, come into my office, or likewise, I'm sure you know other MPs. If you're in other electorates, would be happy to talk to you as well. Um, it's our job to be accessible. It's our job to be available and represent you. And um, you know, I've had a number of meetings with constituents today, helping them on their issues. It's it's one of the frontline things that we do to help people, and uh, and uh, I'd encourage anyone to to sing out if they need assistance or, or want to have a chat. Wonderful, wonderful. Chris Picton, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. That was Chris Picton, the Labor Party member for Ghana. Now, if you want to leave some feedback for me, please don't hesitate you can jump onto facebook and look up the political thinker podcast and leave your feedback there you can also leave it on itunes and don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about the political thinker podcast join me next time when i'll be speaking with associate professor felix petrakayev again this time talking about all sorts of things 
in political government overseas. Until then, keep thinking politically.